Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. I want you to pull out your Bible. I want everybody to stand up. If you don't have a Bible, pull out your phone, because we're going we're gonna to see something in the Word of God. It's not just listening, but it's actually getting into it and get to read it. You know, I was thinking about the, the title of my message today, and, um, you know, I, actually, I'm preaching on the day of the Lord, and um, I've heard so many messages on the day of the Lord, so I basically was kind of like praying for, um, I was praying for a title for the message, and then this title came to my mind, Get Ready to Meet Your Maker, and I'm like, wow, I'm not sure too many people would like that. (laughs) I remember um, going to a yard sale, and then I saw on the door of that yard sale at that house, a sign that reads, if you want to meet your maker, just waken in this house. You'll meet him instantly. You know, the thing about it is, many of us Christians, you know, Christian, I said Christians, you know, if we were to say, um, who wants to go to heaven? Everybody will say, yeah. I want to go to heaven. I want to be in heaven. I want to go to heaven. But the problem is nobody wants to die. You know, we want to have our cake and eat it too. I want you to open your Bible with me this morning to the book of Malachi, the fourth chapter. And um, we are going to read verse 1 and 2. Remember the title of the message is, People Get Ready to Meet Your Maker. Malachi 1, it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil evildoers will will be uh, stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But, say that with me, but, for you who fear my name, the Son, S-O-N, the Son of righteousness, shall rise with healing in his wing. You shall go out leaping like calves, from the stall. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, hallelujah. Lord, we worship you and we praise you this day. The fact that you have engrafted us into your family. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus to offer salvation to all men. Lord, we thank you 
for loving us so much that you counted it worthy to send Jesus to die for us. So today, Lord, let us hear your word. Let your word come into our hearts. Illuminate our understanding. Let our mind be filled with thanksgiving and awe and expectation of your imminent return. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, let the church say, eh? For behold, the day is coming. There is a day coming. You know, every one of us have a day that we remember, or perhaps maybe a day that we are waiting for. Uh, For some people, it might be a wedding day. Uh, For a student, it might be a graduation day. Perhaps maybe a day when you're going to start a new job. Maybe a new baby is coming. The doctor told you that on that day you're going to have a baby. We have the day we were born, and we also have the day we will die. But the Lord has a day. He has a day. There is a day that he reserved for himself. And it is called the Lord's Day. And this is the day that we, all of us, it is the moment that every born-again Christian, every blood-bought child of God, have been waiting for since the ascension of Christ. On that day, There will be great celebration in heaven. Revelation 6, 6 and 7 tells us, Then I heard what seems to be the voice of a great multitude, like the war of many waters, like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt, and give him praise, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, white and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deed of the saints. For behold, The day is coming. Beloved, I want to tell you the day that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back very soon. As a matter of fact, his coming is imminent. Imminent means that it can come at any day. I know the Bible scholars, they will tell you this sign and that sign and this sign and that sign has to happen. If you talk to the average Christians, they'll tell you, well, Jesus can't come yet because the gospel hasn't been preached all over the world. Then again, you ask them, when was the last time you witnessed to somebody about Jesus? They'll be speechless. Oh, what a tragedy. I tell you what, 
You, perhaps maybe you didn't hear what I just read. He says, behold, the day is coming. Burning like an oven. When all arrogance and evildoers will be burned up. The arrogance and the evildoers are people who have rejected Jesus Christ. There are people who have said, I am okay. I don't need God. I can make it by myself. As long as I have my family, I have my bank account, I have everything that I need. I'm okay. These people will be burned up. They will be separated from God forever, for all eternity. The environmentalists will tell you that we are in a global warming uh, time, but they don't know what's coming. Let me tell you this. This will be pale. What's going on right now is, is pale in comparison to that day. When the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, will come and is going to burn everything. You know, I remember reading a passage in Isaiah 63. Jesus walking with his apparel covered with blood. Blood. And somebody asked him, they says, what happened to your clothes? He said, I was looking for vengeance, but there was nobody who was willing to stand with me. So I take matters by myself. The Bible talks about a day coming when the streets of the earth will be filled with blood so high that it will reach the bridle of a horse. Beloved, right now, if you listen closely, you can hear the hoofbeat of the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming. If you listen clear closely, you will hear the sound of trumpets because the King of kings and the Lord of lords is about to return to the earth. Come on and give him praise this morning. The first time he came, he was a baby in Bethlehem manger. His birth was announced by a star and by angel. He was in a manger. The king of kings humbled himself. Humbled himself and just come. Like there was nothing on that, you know. They were, they, he, they, God invited just the common people, the shepherd. The first time he came, he was dragged before Herod. He was mocked. He was spit upon. He was beaten. But the next time he comes, he's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The next time he comes, presidents and monarchs and prime ministers dignitaries, dictators are going to be dragged before him and they're going to be bowed down before him and call him Lord of Lords because he is Lord of Lords. 
He's coming soon. He's coming. He's imminent. It's going to happen. It can happen today. It can happen in the next hour. My question to you, are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? Let me tell you something. Our God doesn't have different strokes for different folk. He has a robe called the robe of righteousness. And it comes only on one side. Every man, woman, and child have to be fit to get into that robe. The robe will not be altered for you. Remember what we just read here in Revelation 6 and 7. It says, his bride has made herself ready. Don't think that God is going to come down his throne and make you ready. He's not. You have to make yourself ready. How do you do that? How do you do that? I just love what my brother just shared a little while ago. You know, when he heard Pastor Herman was announced that 10-day fast, his spirit just slipped. He says, whoa, this is what I've been looking for. Beloved, I'm going to tell you this. The, the day is here when we have to put aside the worldly, worldly things. The day have to, is here when we have to put the things of God first instead of putting all of our efforts to build up our bank accounts and buy homes and this and that. And let me tell you this. All of these things are going to be burned up. You got to walk ready. You got to walk as if Jesus was about to come today. The next minute, the next hour. And your attitude and your compassion for others and your love for others. We cannot be complacent. There are so many things that have happened under our watch. We stay silent and we do nothing, and God has a problem with that. This is what he's talking about when he says, make yourself ready. We can't just talk about him. We must look like him. We must smell like him. We must live like him. We must love like him. Jesus is coming back. Get ready to meet your maker. The return of Jesus will happen regardless of whatever people are telling you. There are people out there who make a living, you know, telling people, look, you're wasting your time. You know, we've been here about Jesus your Jesus forever. But what has, what has happened? Everything remained the same. Peter knew about that. Second Peter 3, 3 and 4, Peter warned the church. And he says, no, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffings following their own sinful desires. 
They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is he? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continued as they were from before the foundation. I'll tell you what. The Bible just talk about them right there in Malachi 4. These are the arrogant people. The arrogant people that the Bible just talked about. These are the evildoers that, that the Bible just talked about. And God is coming. He's coming. He's not coming because he's coming just to, to destroy people. Let me tell you something. If you are watching right now online, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. Jesus isn't, doesn't want to destroy the, you know, the people that he created. He loves every one of us. But we have a choice to make. Eh? You, you are a father. You are a mother. You have a home. Do you let everything in your home go wild and crazy? Do you not have rules at your house? Do you not have standard at your house? But if you that are evil have rules and standards, how much more our Heavenly Father have rules and standards? He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. He is righteous. He is righteous. He is true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We must bow down and worship him. We must bow down and reverence him. The time has come. We must take away the, glow, the, 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 the grave clothes, the worldly clothes. We must take those things away from us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old have passed away. Behold. Let's say that with me. Behold. Behold. That word behold right there means something to look forward to. It's going to happen because when God said something, let me tell you, if God says to you, let's go fishing, you might as well bring your, your cooking utensil, bring your tartar, tartar sauce, we're going to have some fish. Amen. He says, behold, all things are made new. The problem that I have with the scoffers, you know, the Bible gave a reference for them in Psalm, the 14th chapter, verse 1. The Bible called those scoffers fools. He says, it says this, it says, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do an abominable deed. There is none who who, do, who does good. But here's the thing. I don't believe in fools. I believe in the word of God. So I'm not going to listen to the fools. They're wasting their time. Because I believe Jesus is coming back. I believe Jesus is coming back. 
I'm watching, I'm praying. Because I know, I'm expecting, I know he's coming. His return is imminent. It can happen at any moment. Nothing has to change. Nothing has to happen. Secondly, Jesus is coming back. It's going to be, it's going to be a great day with two different characteristics. Two characteristics to accommodate the different group of people. Well, what are the different group of people there? There's only two. There's the saved and the lost. Which, which group are you in? That's, that is the important question. You got to know who you belong to. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. The Bible says that the day of the Lord will be a day of vengeance on those that know not the Lord. Those who have rejected God, those who have rejected his grace, that he has graciously provided to the sacrifice of his only son. It's going to be a day of darkness, a day of gloom, a day of trouble, a day of distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of wrath, a day of indescribable hour for those who do not know the Lord. For those who do not know the Lord. But if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to congratulate you today. Because there is a day coming, and let me tell you this, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be Amazing. There is a day coming. It's going to be glorious. It is called the day of salvation. It is called the day of sanctification. It is a redemptive day. It is a glorification day. It is yet a day of unspeakable joy. Oh, what a day this is going to be when I see him face to face, the one who died in my place, the one who saved my soul. What a day this is going to be. I'm going to bow down. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to take him. What a day. When I see every tongue, every tribe, every language, every people group bowing down before this man, worship him in their own language. Singing hallelujah, praising God together with the angels, together with the multitude, together with heaven. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon.
if you know what that means for me. It means a lot to me. Many of you appreciate me so much, and I thank you for that. But if you knew, if you knew my record, where I came from, if you knew that I was rejected by my parents, by my father, if you knew I was beaten and abused, if you knew it was said of me that I was never going to be anything. If you knew I never had a birthday, celebrated a birthday, never seen a cake. And then one day, I met a man. met a man named Jesus. He received me like I, like I was special. He received me like I was, I was his own. He loves me. You know, he's the only person I know who loves me, truly loves me, and there is no malice in his love. He cares so much for me. He saved me. He delivers me. He rescued me. He tells me I'm his segulo, which means I'm his special treasure. And I believe it because he never lies. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. I received Christ when I was about maybe 10, 11 years old. I'm thinking I don't rem really remember the exact date or anything like that. Funny, the pastor who prayed for me, his name is Pastor Eddie. <laughs> but you know, I really didn't know what that really meant. I just just continue to live life as if nothing happened. You know, I sin. I heard somebody said he enjoy every sin that he has ever committed. And don't look at me so holy like Pastor Eddie said. You know you do too. But I thank God that he forgives us. That he forgives us. He says that our sin are buried in the seas of forgetfulness and they will never be remembered against us anymore. You might remember my sin, but God won't. God is not going to remember my sin. So in 1988, Linda and I were newlywed, got married a year ago. We had a new baby, and um, we were going to this Baptist church. And while we were at the church, and I felt a tugging in my heart to go up front, to go rededicate my life, 
to Jesus. I, I didn't understand it. You know, so I decided, I said, I'm going to go. I'm not going to let that stop. Nothing stop me. And um, so as I was, as I got up and I started walking towards the podium, I got halfway and I turned back. I went back and I got, I went in Richard grabbed Linda's hand, pick up the baby's basket and we walked forward together. We, we dedicated our lives together. And I said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. My earthly father and I, we, we had not spoken for a long time. Um, we, were, we, were, we were in business together. You know, we opened a, a car dealership. I, I opened up a car dealership. He invested money in it. And, um, but, you know, he didn't really understand the business. He thought that maybe we were going to make it immediately. You know, the car business, like, one month you do good. The next month might be down. You know, and just he couldn't, couldn't handle it. And so because of that, my business fell, you know, fell apart because we end up having to liquidate our assets just to, um, you know, so I could give him money that he had put in there. So I had not talked with him for a long time. Um, I guess not because I decided not to talk to him. I guess, um, be honest, I don't really know if it was me that said it first, but I think that he said it first. That, you know, he just really cut all communication with me. We weren't talking for a long, long time. And then so, at that time, we could see that I'm off my message. I think the Holy Spirit is really taking me somewhere. I'm not standing here for myself. It's all about God. Every bit of my life got to be, I'm ready to be burned up the last, to the very last socket for the glory of God. You know, I, I want him to be glorified. So, so I had spent many, many years, I think it was like 15 years or so, I didn't talk to him. And um, so when I call him, I tried to call him one time. He said to me, he said, you are not my son. He says, your mother told me that you are my son. But I have no way of proving that you are my son. Do you have any idea what that could do to a person? 
I kept these things in my heart. This is the first time I shared this testimony. And so I spent all this time, and I said, God, you heard it. You heard it. He said he doesn't want nothing to do with me. I made the effort to call him, but now he's saying he doesn't want nothing to do with me. I am free. I am really free. So don't you ask me to go call him anymore because I'm done now. It's not on me anymore. And then one day, I'm driving. I'm somewhere in Texas. I'm driving to go visit my daughter, who was in the military, stationed in Texas. I'm on this bridge driving, and all of a sudden, the Lord started talking to me. He says, I want you to pick up the phone and call your dad right now. I'm like, what? I almost said... Get thee behind me, you know, and I know the enemy wouldn't, you know, that's not his language. That's not, you know, he wouldn't. I'm like, I said, God, would you do that to me? He said, yeah, I want you to call your dad. I want you to call your dad. And, you know, that's what I love about God. God is so real and so pure. He is so holy. You know, he's got nothing, there's nothing hidden in him. You know, I mean, the only thing that is hidden in God that you don't know about, it's, it's, the, it's the revelation of his greatness, of his, you know, of his grandeur, of his majesty, those things that you, but you will not find anything in God that you would say, oh, man, I, I didn't know that about you. No, everything you're going to hear about God from this moment forth all the way into eternity, 10,000, 10 million, 100 million years from now, it's all going to be good. So it was from the goodness of his heart, he asked me, he said, look, I want you to call your dad. And then I pick up the phone, and then I call. When I call, it wasn't her, him who picked up. It was his wife, which is my stepmother. By the way, she's like the best you know, best stepmother or the best wife that any man can have. I know, I know that because I've watched her today. My, my dad have uh, dementia. This woman, how she cares for this man. I mean, how she loves this man. How she, he doesn't respond. He's not talking, but she's there talking to him, putting music for him. And I'm like, wow, God, you're so good. But going, coming back to, to my, my thing. So I pick up the phone, I call, and then it was her. And then she talked to me like somebody she was waiting to hear his voice. And it was just like really very nice. And then after that, she says, do you want to talk to your dad? And my heart dropped. Because I'm like, oh, is he going to say the same thing to me again? But he got on the phone. The conversation was very pleasant. Pleasant. And at the end of the conversation, I said, Dad, I love you. I've never heard him say he loves me. But I can understand that, you know, many of us never grew up in a, in a home where we, we hear our parents say they love us. My dad was one of those people. 
I don't think that his dad ever told him that he loves him, his mother, for that purpose. You know, in, in the culture that I'm from, you know, to say that you love a child sometimes means that I'm working and I'm providing for you. You know, and that intimacy, that emotional thing is not really there. And so I told him that I love him. And, 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 and you know what? All of a sudden, I felt this thing walk over, over me. Offer me. And then there was this overwhelming love that I have for God the Father. More than I have ever loved him. Now I love him more. I love him more. Because I realize that he's so good. That he's so good. He's so good to me. You know? And you know, um, I got to go back to my message. You know, Jesus is returning. How am I doing with time, Pastor Herman? I could be here forever. And this is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. And um, so I want to look at with you 2 Thessalonians chapter, um, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8. It says that Jesus is returning in flaming fire, <laughs> inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. This is the part right here that really struck me. It says away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Do you understand? This is, this is the, you know, it's not just burning in hell, but to be away from the presence of the Lord. You know, I mean, this is, this is the most, the greatest punishment that a human can ever experience. To be away from the presence. A lot of people think that hell is a place where there's a bunch of bad people and then they're just congregating together and dancing together and drinking together and, you know, while they're burning in the fire. No, it's not. I don't believe when you're in hell you're going to see somebody else. I think you're going to be separated by yourself. Eternally separated in darkness. But yet... Let me tell you, in the greatness of God, God has left you with your mind intact. Everything that you have ever done, it will be in your mind. You will be able to remember it. You will be able to, to see it. Like the, the, like the rich man in, 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 in Luke 16, Jesus told about this rich man in Lazarus. One believing in God, serving God. The other one says, look, I don't need God. God is, my God is my money. My God is my, you know, six-bedroom, three-car garage, my bank account. That's my God. My God is my education. That's what some people are saying. But I wish today, under the sound of my voice, you would change direction. You would change direction because you are in collision right now with the Son of God who is about to come. He is coming to judge 
the living and the dead. So this man Jesus gave a vivid description of these two men represented in this story. One is in relationship with God. The other one was not in relationship with God. By the way, let me tell you this. Today is the day of salvation. If you're making a choice today, today might be the day you need to make that choice today. You need to turn this boat around. That's what repentance means. God is ready to receive you. God is ready to forgive you. Just because you're sitting in church, you know, you're singing the song, does that mean you really save? So, we know that guy named Lazarus. There's two Lazarus in the Bible. Um, you have Lazarus, the friend of Jesus. That's not the one I'm talking about. This is Lazarus, the beggar. And we don't know nothing about him after that story. That was the only time I heard of, of this guy, Lazarus, that Lazarus. Anyway, so he, because he was in relationship with God, guess what happened? He died, and he was transported by an angel in the presence, in the bosom of Abraham. You know, he, was, he is now in paradise. Like Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That's why the Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord in glory. So this man, this rich man died. Guess what happened to him? They buried him. The next time he, he remember, he saw himself, he's in Hades, which is hell. He is being tormented. You know, he's being tormented. He remember everything. Everything. He remember his brothers. He remember when that man, that woman, that preacher, you know, when they witness to him. When they tell him about Christ. But he said, no, I don't want nothing to do with Christ. I'm on Christ. He remember all that. And then not only he remember, but he can see. You don't mess with God. Don't mess with God. You're going to lose. You're going to regret it for all eternity. God allowed this man to be able to see Abraham in Lazarus in paradise while he's in Hades. He's in hell. He can see it. He's being tormented. But Lazarus, on the other hand, is having the time of his life. This man is thirsty, but Lazarus have the living water. He'll never thirst again. And then he says, Father Abraham, would you please send Lazarus so that he could come and dip the tip of his finger to help me because I am in torment in this lake of fires. There, there is no way in the story that says that he was in the middle of a crowd of people together. He was alone. 
So that scripture absolutely makes sense to me that this man is alone. And you don't want to be alone. You don't want to be alone by yourself. You don't want to be alone. You need Jesus um, to be with you. Because Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will never forsake you. I um, You know what I'm doing? I'm just cutting my message short. You know, I'm, I'm just moving pages here. Um, thank you, Lord. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus loves you. Not just you Christians. He loves the, those that are not Christians. He loves everybody. Jesus loves the whole world. Don't you ever forget that. The Bible says in Malachi that he is the Lord. He never changed. That means his love for you will remain. Will always remain. He loves you. He is looking for you. He is after you. He's after you. Why else would, it, would God the Father send his only begotten son? He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. He loves you greatly. God loves the people during the time of Noah. He loves them. He didn't want to destroy the earth. But, you know, the Bible says in Genesis, the sixth chapter, it says that the earth was riddled with sin. The earth was completely covered with iniquity. There was not one person in, in, the, in, in the earth who, who were... Who were um, who were righteous except Noah. Except Noah. Noah was the, the person, the, the, the man that the Lord has chosen. And um, I'm having to look back into my, my note because um, there's a part here that uh, it's important for me to find it because... Um, Because that's how I'm going to probably close my message. Okay. As I was saying, as I was saying, the fact of the matter is God loves you in spite of your sin. God loves you for every, he loves you. God loves every person in the world in in the world. He really does loves you. But God is a perfect judge. He's a perfect judge. He's coming in judgment and in love. God is a God of love and there is nothing that you and I can do about that. 
God is a God of love, but God is also the God of justice. God is holy, and his holiness demands justice. That is why he's going to bring people around the world into account. People who have rejected him. People who have mocked his son. And people who have plotted against his son. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive, may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. His promises include the fact that God will recompense each person according to his deed. Faithful believers may anticipate reward, but unbelievers must face punishment. When the Apostle Paul knew, knew this time, his time was near to depart the earth, he wrote in 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also all who have loved his appearing. Beloved, you don't have to be afraid about what's about to happen on the earth. Because look, you are not looking for the end of Christ. We are looking for Jesus Christ. Give him glory in the house this morning. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus says in, in John 14. One in three, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. There's that word again. I will come again. Beloved, I want to tell you one more time. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again to receive you and receive me unto himself. The Bible gave us many signs to indicate when the end is near. There are some key prophetic that's already been fulfilled. For instance, you know, the birth of Israel, for, for one thing. Isaiah 66, 1, it's 66, 8, it asks this question, can a nation be born in one day? And we know that to be true. In May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation in 2,000 years. Jesus continued in Matthew 24, he talks about the fig tree. Anytime that you see the fig tree in Scripture, in prophecy, it speaks directly of Israel. 
He says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson as soon as its branch become, became tender and, and put out its leaf. You know that summer is near. You know, I don't have the time to go over every one of those prophecies, but you can read them yourself. But there is two examples that I grab hold on. I wish to share them. You know, I was reading, um, I was reading online. You know, I, I, I do, I study whenever I'm trying to preach the message. You know, and that's the thing. You know, I just love God because, you know, I spent all that time preparing this message. And then, make no mistake about it, the message is going to be preach God's way. You know, and that's what it's meant to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, God is going to preach his message, and I thank him for that. You know, as I was doing some research, you know, one of the prophecies that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, he talks about, you know, in the last days, there's going to be wars and rumors of war and earthquakes and all that. You know, and I saw this article that in the 1900, you know, the National Earthquake Organization have registered, they projected there would be about 16 major earthquakes in any given year. Today, they are registering over 20,000 earthquakes. Is that a sign that Jesus is coming back? I don't know for you, but it is for me. Don't be, you know, don't be like uh, dull of, you know, dull of hearing. Like you just says, don't harden your heart. Don't just allow the world to suck you in. And, and, and not paying attention to what the Lord is telling us. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Second Peter 2 and 5, Peter called Noah a preacher of righteousness who preached the message of repentance to his generation. I don't believe the Bible mentioned anywhere that where Noah preached. But I believe Noah preached. I believe Noah's preached. Because you can't be building a boat for 120 years in the middle of desert in a place where there were, there's never been rain for you not to preach. You're going to preach because people are going to come to you and going to ask you, what is this crazy thing that you are building here? Because we have never seen anything like that. Are you out of your mind? What is this thing? I believe Noah preached a message. And I know his message. I know the title of his message. The title of his message was, Repent or Perish. Repent or Perish. And that's what the same message is for us today. We must repent. Or perish. You know, in the days of Noah, nobody listens. Nobody listens. Everybody was about their business. Jesus says the return, his return will be just like it was in the days of Noah. 
So I ask this question, what was it like in the days of Noah? The Bible says that they were busy doing what they do. They were getting married, buying, buying homes, you know, building up their bank accounts, you know, building bonds, you know, buying a new car, racing car, whatever they were doing, they were doing. Isn't that the same thing that we are doing? That's what we're doing today. Eh? That's what we are doing. And so I believe that this is, this is absolutely important. That's a very important thing for us, especially those of you who have not yet made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The, gospel, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. You hear the word of God, and then you just like, oh, yeah, I heard this before. I have time. But I'm going to tell you this. You don't have time. You don't have time. Every one of us are on a conveyor belt right now heading towards eternity. The end of the world comes for everybody, for, for a person at every moment. Some of us will live to see Jesus split the eastern sky. But others, today might be your last day. Tomorrow, a week from now, 10 years from now. But you need to get ready. You know, when you're going on a trip, you don't just wait on the day of the trip and then you just show up at the airport hoping you will get in a plane. You will not. You make a reservation. You make a reservation. You purchase a ticket. You plan your trip. Beloved, we're going on a trip. We need to get ready. And today, if you are here under the sound of my voice, you do not know Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Jesus is coming. And he's not like who they've been telling you that he is. He's not a little Jesus, a wimpy Jesus. He died. He suffered. He done for us what no one else could have done. Why? Because he loves us. He says he loves us so much that he doesn't want none of us to perish. But he wants all of us to have eternal life. And the only way to, to have eternal life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Philippian jailer asked this question. He said, what shall I do to be saved? The answer was, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Today, you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The boat that Noah was building was a type of Christ. It was a type of Christ. If anyone had made it in that boat, that person would have been alive. That person would have been saved. But unfortunately, no one, was, no one thought that it was necessary for them to leave what they were doing. No one listens to the message of Noah. And when the flood came, it was already too late. The door was already closed. But Jesus says, I'm coming like that. But I want to tell you this morning, there is good news. If you are alive and you are hearing this message and that you are able to breathe... You are able to breathe, you are able to see me, you are able to, to hear me. I'm going to tell you this. You can, your life can change right now. Right now. 
right now. And you, you, you may be walking, you know, you, you may be doing, doing church, you know, you've been going to this motion and all that, but your heart was never given to Jesus. Today could be the day that you give Jesus Christ your life. You know, nobody's going to make, make um, fun of you, but I will tell you one thing. You will be glad you did. You will be glad you did. So the last thing I want to say, I want to say is, as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. We don't want to be like Jonah in the belly of the boat, sleeping in the middle of a storm. I want to tell you that Jesus is on his way. He's coming back. And let me tell you this. He's dependent on us. The, last very, the very last word that he gave to the church, he says, all power and authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples in all nations. You are responsible to make disciples. At the end of the day, there's going to be many crowns that's going to be handed out to, to believers. Some people will not get any. Some people will get paper paper mache crown. It will be burned up. But I want to receive a crown that I can cast at the feet of Jesus. So I I want you to know we need to wake up. We need to wake up. It's crazy that this morning that my wife, I got to read this. Um, if I can find my phone. She has no idea. I asked her, I went to the bathroom and asked her, Have you be, did you read my message or something like that? Were you, were you, she says, no, 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 I did not. She says, I don't even know what you're preaching. And um, she sent me this, this thing. I don't know where she got it. It's a story. She says, um, the story says, I like the story about a pastor was preaching one Sunday morning. He was 10 minutes into, the, into his sermon. He noticed his young son in the balcony with a pea shooter. The kid was leaning over the balcony, aiming and popping people in the head. The pastor was getting ready to publicly fuss at the kid, at his kid. But then, the seven-year-old hollered, you keep on preach, preaching, pastor. I mean, keep on preaching, dad. Keep preaching. And I'll keep them awake. <laughs> awake. Jesus is coming. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the ten virgins. Five of them were wise, and the other five was foolish. You know, we're in the church. We're just doing the church. We're going to church. We're singing the songs. But are you awake? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? If Jesus were to come today, are you ready? Will you even know that he came? Do you have oil in your lamp? We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Prepared to go with him. I, I'm actually, I cut my message. I got to preach this again. 
So what is the Christian, Christian's responsibility vis-a-vis the eminent return of Christ? The hope of Christ's eminent coming should have a powerful sanctifying purifying effect on us. Let me say that again. The hope of Christ's eminent coming should have a powerful sanctifying and purifying effect on us. Everyone who has this hope in him purify himself. Just as he is pure. That's 1 John 3, 3. The knowledge that Christ could return at any moment should motivate us to prepare. Number one, to prepare. I'm not going to give you a definition of prepare. You go and find out. You spend time with God. That's preparing. You know, if there are things in your heart that is not, in your life that is not correct, okay, throw them out. Do a cleanup. You know, it's time to, for us to do spiritual cleanup. We need to be watching. You know, because we don't know. Jesus says no one knows the day nor the hour. So if I don't know, I don't want to sleep too hard. What if I just fall asleep and then, boom, Jesus came back, and I don't know? People will tell you all kinds of stuff. Oh, you could, you know. And I'm not saying to you literally, you know, tonight to take pills and so you don't sleep. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying be awake spiritually. Be awake spiritually, okay? And um, so we, we need to be, um, you know, we, we need to prepare. We need to pursue Christ-like, Christ-likeness. Pursue Christ-likeness. Make yourself available for God to change you. So people can begin to see Christ in you. Okay? You can't show Christ-likeness by just reading the word by itself. There's gonna, you need to do something. If something is not right in your life, you need to go ahead and put it aside. You need to put off, put off all, all the things that pertain to our former lives without Christ. Put them away. So in closing, I just I thought this song. No idea. I've never sung this song before. But I just love this. I love the lyrics of it. I love the lyrics of it. And um, I thought that that would be good in my sermon just to close. And I just want to read it to you. I'm not going to sing it. He says, Lo, he comes with cloud descending, once for favored sinner slain. Thousand thousand saints attending swell the triumph of his train. Hallelujah, hallelujah, God appear on earth to reign. Now redemption long expected come in solemn splendor near. All the saint this world reject thrill the triumph sound to hear. Hallelujah, hallelujah, see the day of God appear. Those dear tokens of his passion still his dazzling body bear. Cause of endless exaltation to his ransom worshiper. With what rapture? With what rapture? With what rapture? Gaze we on those glorious scars. 
Yea, amen. Let all adore thee high on, on thine eternal throne. Savior, take the power and glory. Claim the kingdom as thy own. Oh, come quickly. Oh, come quickly. Oh, come quickly. Thou shalt reign and die alone. Give him praise in the house this morning. You've been listening to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, and He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.